All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, happy Halloween. Welcome to the Halloween edition of the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440. Coming to you uh, live in the E-Well Studios here in West Edmonton Mall. I'm Jason Greger. He is Connor Halley. The Greger Show is always presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Alberta's only regulated online gambling website where... 100% of the revenue stays right here in the lovely province of Alberta. It's uh, playalberta.ca. I am uh, Jason Greger. He's Connor Halley. Declan Kruger is uh, along for the ride. we got a loaded show for you. Uh, you can always get involved. You can text us 833-401-1440 in our Jiffy Lube inbox. There's lots to discuss today because, man, well, it's... October, although I know it's the last day of October, but there's always lots going on in October and in uh, November. The uh, Edmonton Order is making some moves. Adam Ernie has been placed on waivers, and uh, when he clears, or if he clears, uh, he will go to the American League. And uh, Sam Gagne and the Edmonton Orders are currently uh, working on a contract. I don't think it's going to be a tough negotiation, but uh, I would expect it to be the uh, the league minimum. The Orders really don't have any other uh, options there, so look for uh, Sam Gagne to sign uh, a one-year deal. Might be a two-way deal. We'll see. He currently had an American uh, League deal only, but uh, now it'll be a NHL deal, and uh, he will be coming up and likely will be in the lineup on Thursday against the Dallas Stars. Connor McDavid didn't skate today, but it has nothing to do with his injury. It was a previously scheduled day where he's going to have some dental work done. So he's having uh, dental work. Evander Kane was a maintenance day. Kane was on the ice for a bit. Uh, then he left practice, just maintenance day. Matthias Janmark wasn't on the ice. I don't expect him to be ready to play on Thursday. So uh, look, Gagne come in for uh, Ernie. 
and uh, the orders will go with 11 and 7 against the Dallas Stars, who were victorious last night against Columbus. Uh, they'll fly to Calgary later today, and they take on the Flames tomorrow, and then are coming into Edmonton on Thursday. So the orders uh, definitely will be well, well rested. Uh, other news today, it's the NFL trade deadline. Some moves there. We'll get to that, but also a huge trade in the association. Uh, James Harden, like, oh my goodness. The beard is going to the LA Clippers. The uh, 76ers get Marcus Morris, uh, Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington, Kenyon Martin Jr. They get uh, a 2026 uh, Clippers first round pick. Uh, that's uh, protected. They get the uh, first round pick unprotected in 2028. Uh, they're going to swap first rounders in 29, and then they get two free, uh, two second round picks in 24 and 29. Uh, it's James Harden, PJ Tucker, and uh, Philip Petrosev going to the Clippers, and the Thunder will get a 2027 uh, pick swap with the Clippers. So uh, that's the trade. Um, the Beard and Westbrook are back together. Kawhi Leonard. I don't know, man. Like. Wherever the beard goes, all that seems to follow him is drama. So uh, I guess there'll be a little bit more drama in L.A. There's never a shortage of it in that city. Lots going on. So uh, the beard will be in there. The uh, NFL, Washington is basically dismantling their defensive line, Connor Halley. Sweat goes to Chicago for a second rounder. And then the 49ers defense... They give up a third-round pick, Connor Halley, and they get the former first-rounder, first overall pick, Mr. Young, is going there. What do you make of these deals? I mean, it, it shows what the Washington Commanders are doing, uh, dissembling this offensive line that took them like four De- years. Defensive line. Defensive line, yeah. yeah, you know, getting rid of Sweat and Chase Young. Uh, I was surprised the price for Young and then where they're sending him. Like, the Sweat deal makes no sense to me because the Chicago Bears, and all, I know they have cap space, and you know they're, they're not in a good situation. So I don't know why they're giving up assets to bring in a player like that, unless they're, you know, sure they can keep him there. Uh, but for Chase Young going to the 49ers, how do we let this happen for a third round pick? Granted, he has had issues staying healthy, but we know how talented he can be. You pair him up with his old uh, Buckeyes teammate and Nick Bosa, that's going to be a heck of a pass rush rotation that they have. And it's already a good one. But we talked about this last year, Gregor, when they went out and got Christian McCaffrey. They're an aggressive organization. They know they're a good team, but they don't sit back and wait. They go get more players. That third-round pick could be a <sighs> contributor. But who cares if you can bring in Chase Young? Well, I absolutely love this for the Niners. Well, a third round. Now, Contract, I'm guessing, played a factor in this a little bit for, for Chase Young. Um, because like, to me, it's funny. They got less for Young than they did for Sweat. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's what blows my mind. Like Sweat, I guess, cause he's been a contributor, right? Yeah. Young is a very good player that the ceiling is ridiculous for him. If he can stay healthy True. But for a third Hasn't round. Hasn't reached pick. it yet. Yeah. He was great as rookie season. He's battled injuries since then. But, uh, yeah, for the 49ers, I absolutely love this move. They go out and, you know, I think it was Randy Gregory they brought in from the Broncos already this year. Like, they they know that their defense has had some deficiencies, and it's been kind of exposed the last couple of games, first by Kirk Cousins on Monday night, then by Joe Burrow on Sunday. So what do they go do? They go add a guy who can be one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. It's a fantastic move. Well, the 49ers' defense is, uh, is well, I'm not sure how good it is, to be honest. Like, look at the last few games, what they've given up. So I think they realize that they got to get more pressure on the quarterback. So uh, on paper, their defense should be good. But the, the numbers lately don't necessarily reflect that it's that good. So um, we'll, uh, we'll see where it goes in, in that regard. Uh, also, 
the, uh, the well, we got a lot of texts coming in on the uh, Edmonton orders. Um, uh, I know a lot of people, Gregor, why would they not recall Raphael Lavoie? Because they don't want to play Raphael Lavoie on the fourth line. He doesn't kill penalties. And your fourth line isn't going to get a lot of minutes in Edmonton right now. So in order to, I think, recall Raphael Lavoie, they're going to need somebody in their top nine to get banged up. Recall him so he can play. Now, you might say, hey, recall Lavoie and then send uh, Dylan Holloway down. Okay, but it's eight games. And I think people need to pump the tires. Like, it's amazing how many people keep saying, wave Connor Brown. I don't think you've watched the games. If all you're looking for is goals or assists from Brown, you're not watching the game. I'm, I'm telling you right now. Connor Brown is going to score very soon. And then he'll score c- consistently. Did you know, in from 2017 to 2022, before he got injured, Connor Brown had the 139th most goals in the NHL. Now do the math. Seattle isn't in the league for all those years, so just go 31 players times five. What's that? 155. So that's a top five forward on average across the NHL. And people want to wave him? Like, no offense, that is the most idiotic statement I've ever heard. If you're worried about the bonuses next year, that's irrelevant to the conversation. It's irrelevant. You're like, hey, we'll save on the bonuses for next year. Yeah, and you weaken your team this year. Why are you doing that? And here's the thing. We all knew he was going to get the bonus the minute he signed it. It's 10 games. So if you hated it from day one, then you're consistent. No problem. But Connor Brown has been a pretty productive player. He's coming off ACL. He admitted that the first few games, he felt he was a little bit behind. Feels, uh, you know, and the thing I like about him, we'll play his quote later on in the show. I'm being said, my hands have gone nowhere. I know how to score. Once I score one, they'll come. Like, he was a very confident player. He feels like he's been impactful a lot more in the last week and a half. And if you look at his overall numbers, they show it. He just doesn't have a goal yet. But people want to wave Connor Brown, who's a top five forward scorer for six years, over a rookie who has played zero NHL games. Like, what? Think about that. And everybody, well, look at Vegas. Yes, look at Vegas. How many rookies did they have contributing to their team? When they won. How many rookies for Colorado? Right? Like, it's, it's hard for rookies to be significant contributors on winning teams. So Raphael Lavoie could come up here, but like most rookies, then what happens if he struggles? He's played five really good games in the American League. Let it go to 10 or 15 or 20. I think when there's a, if in two weeks even, if Dylan Holloway has still got goose eggs, then you want to switch those two? I think that's a valid, sane conversation to have. It's a young player for a young player. You can do it. You can move Fogel to the left side. There's an opening on the right wing. It makes sense. But to do it after eight games? Doesn't make sense to me. It's way too premature. And just because you score in the American League doesn't mean you're going to score in the NHL. Okay? Not at all. Raphael Lavoie's confidence has only got to be continuing to grow, which is awesome. So let it keep growing. Let him keep developing. Do it for a month and be like, hey, you're the guy. Right? Because really, Raphael Lavoie's had four good months in the American League. Awesome. So let him continue it. And then when an injury occurs, which statistically will tell us it probably would happen. Then you can call him up. I think that makes that makes perfect sense. But um, I wouldn't do it uh, uh, to bring him up in a fourth-line role. Doesn't make sense to me. So Adam Ernie goes down. Sam Garney comes up. 
Uh, Lane Peterson's banged up, in case you're wondering why he's not recalled. Uh, he didn't play their last game. So uh, Gagne will come up, and we'll see what he has. I talked to Sam before he went down. says he felt great. Uh, he says he hasn't felt this good, you know, skating, moving in many years. So we'll see what he has. The one thing Gagne has, he's got good offensive acumen, right? He thinks the game incredibly well. And if if he gets a few shifts with uh, skilled guys, he has a track record of being able to produce. Right? He's also at the stage of his career where if he plays eight, nine, ten minutes a night, you're not stunting his development, right? Sam Gagne's game is developed at this point. But the, the waving Connor Brown because you're worried about next year, that is... That is some, um, to me, that's a defeatist attitude. And you're basically saying, oh, this year's done. So let's get rid of a player who has a track record of being a really productive player because he's, he's going to hit his bonuses for next year. I don't, uh, I don't get it. Right? And the other thing is the owners have struggled defensively. Has Connor Brown struggled defensively? Not at all. And did you, he's, only, he's played 100 minutes 5-on-5 five five this year. He's played 80 minutes away from McDavid. Him and McDavid, when they played together early on against those Vancouver games, you know what? Uh, They were on the ice for three goals against. In his 80 minutes away from McDavid, he's minus one, five on five. And it's the only reason he's a minus is they haven't scored. One goal against. People have been praying for that type of player away from McDavid for years. Now you got one. And people want to throw him in the trash bin, claim he's playing terrible after eight games coming off major surgery. Um, I would classify that as premature, incredibly premature. Mark my words right now. In the next two months, people are going to be, geez, I really like Connor Brown because he works hard. He's quick on pucks and he can contribute. And eventually, I think he'll find himself back in the top six. Like Warren Fogel's off to a great start. I hope it continues for him. But history will tell us that maybe not. So I can uh, I can see it happening. Coming up on the uh, program today, man, we have a loaded, loaded show for you. Whew. Hall of Famer from the NFL, Larry Zonka, one of the players from the only perfect season in North American pro sports. NFL, CFL, NBA for the men, NHL, MLB. Larry Zonka, of course, who's with the uh, Dolphins, has a book. We'll uh, talk to Larry about that. Raphael Lavoie will join us today at uh, 2.40, talk about his hot start down in uh, Bakersfield. Then uh, Sean Brown joins us as always. We have uh, Big George Larac, who is uh, in town for the Heritage Classic, but also is doing something for the NHL. We'll uh, we'll talk about that. And the Habs, good start. Uh, Paul Silver will break down the uh, Harden trade and more, talk some NBA. Struddy will be by, uh, get his thoughts on the uh, Oilers and the changes defensively. I don't think it's been talked about enough. I mentioned it yesterday, but we'll talk about it again today. The orders, they 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 went away from what they were playing in their first seven games against Calgary. They went back to the system that they played last year. The players, for whatever reason, they're more comfortable. They were they were less thinking, more reacting, and it worked. Calgary didn't generate very much at all, five on five. So we'll talk to Strutty about that. Now, how much is it on the players? Like that zone system isn't that difficult to do. I just want to make that abundantly clear. So were they too stubborn? Because it's not that hard. But give the coach credit. You see something's not working. They switch back. And uh, for the one game, it clearly worked quite well. So we'll see. It's one game. But uh, I'd expect uh, them to continue it against Dallas. Uh, we have Spec and uh, DVD. As always, you can get involved. 833-401-1440. Gregor, would it not make the team better to have Lavoie up over Gagne from UConn Scott? I don't think so, UConn. 
Raphael, do you know how difficult it is to contribute playing seven, eight, nine minutes a night? Raphael Lavoie has never done that. Right? In the American League, he's their top guy. He's playing tons of minutes, as he should be. To then bring him up, who has no NHL experience, and say, we're going to put you in a role that's extremely difficult to do. He doesn't kill penalties, so it's going to be hard to get him ice time. So, no, I actually don't believe that in this role right away, it would be better. I, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't think, I don't see how. So, hey guys, what's your take on trading CC or Kulak to free up cap space, allow the team to carry a few extras? I don't think either of those players are underperforming. I just feel like having reserve players may demand a bit more urgencies from those who are in. What are your thoughts on this, TKC? Well, TKC, both are playing well. I think it weakens your team just to trade them away for draft picks so you can have two extra guys in the press box. And those two extra guys are only going to push your bottom guys anyway. Now you've taken out your the guy who plays your most minutes on right defense five on five. I think, honestly, that would be a terrible idea. That that weakens your team. Um, wouldn't do it at all. Hey guys, I think Holloway could also benefit from time in the AHL. And I do think Lavoie could play third line with McLeod and Fogel. He's going to get waived if it doesn't work at some point. Can't just keep waiting till next year to see if he makes it. Who, Lavoie? Well, he's already been waived, right? Um... You, you can wait until next year for Lavoie. Why can't you? you? You don't have to make a decision on him this year. You don't have to be like, oh, my goodness, we have to bring him up and see him. There's no reason to. If he's playing well and he forces your hand, awesome. But I'm not doing it after eight games is all I'm saying. It To me, it's it's very knee-jerk. It's it's setting the – I don't think it's the best me- – now, you can do it to Adam Ernie, no offense. And, hey, as Jay Woodcroft said, and I think it was smart to say, he goes – Adam Ernie's paying the price for the bottom six lack of production. Because Adam Ernie himself is not the only reason everyone else isn't scoring. Right? He's not the reason McLeod doesn't have a goal. It's not the reason Holloway doesn't have a goal. It's not the reason Brown doesn't have a goal or Yanmark or Ryan. Right? He's not. But he's paying the price. So that's the move. I don't I honestly don't think extra guys in the press box are is going to uh suddenly do anything that uh, spurs the order. Borders just have to play better. They did the last game. And I think they will uh, they will continue that against Dallas. I won't be surprised at all if the orders go four and one in their next five games. They got Dallas, Nashville, Vancouver, San Jose, and Seattle. Won't be surprised at all that they go four and one in their next five. Four zero oh, and one, maybe even five and zero. Oh. Like the schedule sets up very nicely for them. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Uh, Larry Zonka joins us on the Gregor Show live on Sports fourteen forty and Orders Nation YouTube. Welcome back, Jason Gregor Show on Sports fourteen forty live on Orders Nation uh, YouTube. Happy Tuesday, Happy Halloween for you. I love Halloween, man. It's a great day. I uh, just love seeing the kids come around. They're all excited. They're fired up when they come to your house. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's one of the few days where most people are just you know everybody's positive. It's fantastic. So. Uh, Hope you have fun. It's a way to say hello to your neighbors and your neighborhood and everything like that. Get to uh, see the kids. They're all wheeling around. It kind of brings me back. I remember trick-or-treating, man. I loved it. Like, I absolutely loved it. I can still remember, you know, Apache Crescent, Bella Coola in uh, in Leduc, and uh, where we go up to Mohawk Drive. It was unreal. Corinthia Drive, like, we go for hours, man. It was so fun. Like, I just, like, think about it. You're a kid, and you just get to go to house, and people just give you candy. It's amazing. It's amazing. So hopefully uh, we have a lot of fun with it. Uh, let's get to our big guest of the day today. Uh, excited to be uh, joined by this gentleman. It's brought to you by Silent Ice Sports and Entertainment, an innovative market leader across Western Canada. 
properties, including the Spruce Grove Saints, the uh, Seattle Thunderbirds, Silent Rides Charter Company, Hockey Super League, and much, much more. That is Silent Ice. And uh, we are joined. It's not very often that you can talk to a, to a Hall of Famer who's also one of the very few members who can say he played on a perfect team that never lost a game in one full season. Of course, that was with the uh, the Miami Dolphins. And uh, Larry Zonka joins us. Larry, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Happy Halloween, Jason. Oh, happy Halloween to you, Larry. I love it. Um, so I have to My admit, favorite holiday. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> hey, I'm a big fan of it too. Uh, I was a huge Dolphins fan for a long time, Larry, and I have to admit, about uh, six years ago, I gave up on the team because I, uh, I just could don't see eye to eye with the owner, and so uh, I'm waiting till he's gone so I could cheer for the Dolphins again. But um, you know what? Uh, for many years, the uh, Dolphins, like you were, I was a really young fan when you guys were perfect. But then, you know, the, the Marino, that is when I became a, a fan of Duper and Clayton and all those guys. But I want to go back to every year, and I love it because it ir- irks everybody else. But how the Dolphins, you guys kind of get together and cheer when the last team uh, who's undefeated uh, loses a game. Like, I love that. Who came up with that idea? I think that was a mutual uh idea that there's probably five or six of us that got excited uh, each year and would get in touch with others uh, you know when that when that situation occurred uh, there's of course as years as the years go by there's fewer and fewer of us but at the same time we still call each other and still celebrate that seems like each year it's a little earlier though it's uh, <laughs> doesn't seem like they go quite as far as they used to it used to be down and uh, you know you expect to be 10 games into the season or something well, it just shows you, A, how difficult it is, number one, right? And, like, when you look back at that perfect season, Larry, uh, was there a game or two where we were just like, whew, you know? Because I'm probably when you're in it, you didn't know it would be a perfect season. So I don't even know, like, obviously you kept winning and that was great. But, you know, at that time, no one had ever done it. So were you at what point did you guys start thinking about the perfect season? You know, Jason, that's funny that you bring that up because that's one of the most interesting facts about that season if you recall, uh, those of those of you in your audience that are old enough to remember, we lost the Super Bowl before to, at the hands of Dallas. Yeah, and it was a pretty much a shellacking. So we did not start the '72 season with the idea of of attaining perfection. No one had ever done that. We didn't expect to do that, but we expected to go and take it one game at a time and concentrate on the game at hand each each week. That was uh, Don Shula's, our head coach's insistence that we look at just just what we're doing. We don't we don't look ahead to the Super Bowl or the playoffs or anything. We just concentrate it one game at a time. And he stressed that. That was the only season that I recalled where he – that was just mandated. That was the way he was going to approach that season. And he was a very strong head coach, and he decided on things, and that's the way it was going to be done. I think it's a little more of a committee today that decides things. It's a, There was a lot more power with the head coach back then. But I think that week-to-week thing, we didn't really think about going undefeated or that didn't become a, a burden or a weight on our shoulders – until probably two-thirds of the way through the season. We weren't thinking about perfection. We were just taking it one game at a time to show that we could maintain our our field of vision, our field of interest, uh, just on that game and not look ahead to the playoffs or anything. 
Larry Zonka joins us. Uh, Larry, in your book, uh, your memoir, uh, Head On, it talks about that season. Uh, it also talks about, man, uh, as I read your book, Larry, I have to say, I was like, geez, this guy seemed like he lived a pretty fun life. You know, like you're, you're playing football. Obviously, you guys won championships, so that was great. But, uh, you know, uh, Burt Reynolds, Lee Majors, Elvis Presley were some of the guys that you, you know, you, you hung out with at, at different times. How did, you know, like athletes and rock stars, there's always kind of been a mutual respect because I think people on both sides always kind of are like, geez, I'd love to be a rock star. And the rock star is like, man, I'd love to be a professional athlete. So there's that mutual respect. But how'd you kind of, you know, uh, find ways to, to hang out and rub shoulders with those guys? It was fun. Now, you know, I mentioned all of those that you alluded to in the book and particularly Elvis. I was a fan of Elvis, but my roommate and uh, teammate, close friend, Jim Kick, was from New Jersey, grew up as a kid. He was very involved in city things. I was a country kid. I was kind of more into country music. I wasn't really an Elvis direct fan, but Kick was. Okay. And when we had the opportunity where we went to Memphis and jumped to the USFL and or jumped to the World Football League and went to move to Memphis, we found that Elvis was a big football fan. And then when he invited us over to the mansion, to his house, to uh, – shoot pool because he found out that Jim Kick liked to shoot pool, heard about it, invited us over. I got to go along. So I was kind of, I wasn't the primary candidate in that, but at the same time, it was afforded me an opportunity to meet a childhood hero and uh, found out that Elvis was very much into football. Okay. And, and several other people that I met that you alluded to were, were very much into football and he could speak intelligently about football, even with the pros and uh, knew what he was talking about and enjoyed the game uh, through and through. Now, now, did you ever see him perform live? Uh, yes, at a bar there in uh, in uh, Memphis. He uh, he had a habit of showing up and playing at the one bar. It escapes my, my uh, memory right now, but I'll think of it perhaps in a moment. But it was a place that he went when he before he started his career – and early, very early in his career, he would go there and just show up sometimes and sit down at the piano, play the piano and sing. And if you happen to be there the night that he showed up, you know, you got to you got to witness that in person. But that's uh, that was the only time that I was ever at one of his performances in person. Larry Zonka joins us, a Hall of Famer. Uh, he has a, an author of, of a book that, uh, if, if you're, if, you know, I like it's, it's head on. It just talks about, um, you know, off the field, but, but on the field. And, um, you have the quote in there, no matter what your style, you have to take a beating. And, you know, you played the running backs kind of fullback position. And, you know, there's really very few fullbacks in the game today. And even the running back position, Larry, um, I don't know if I've ever seen a position that has changed in how it was viewed in the sport like a running back has in the NFL as a former running back. How do you look at like nowadays it's either shared by committee, you know, there's three down backs. There's, there's a few around the league that do everything. Obviously McCaffrey's pretty special, but are you surprised that at, at times how diminished the role of the running back seems to be across the league? Well, as you alluded to, to answer your question directly, yes, I'm surprised that it's changed as much as it has just in my, uh, tenure just in my lifetime but uh, you know i as a kid if you go back with me if you if you look at football overall since it's it's early origins back in the 20s 
you know, when I was a kid, I was mesmerized. I had an opportunity to meet and face and, and shake hands with Bronco Nagurski, who I had read about. I wasn't, I never witnessed his career. I never got to see him play directly or firsthand, certainly. But I read about him as a kid. And then when he built the Hall of Fame, I showed up and was, well, I got thrown out twice before the Usters caught me. But I, I uh, showed up at the opening there of the Hall of Fame when they were announcing the fact that they were putting up the dome and were going to do that. I was a kid there in Ohio. And I snuck in and got to see Bronco Nagurski up up close. And I thought about him being a running back. He played back when you had to play both ways. And that to answer your question, that's what we get around to, is how much the rules have changed that have changed the game down over the decades. And just from his time to my time, you know, if you look at that 50-year uh continuum you see how directly you know you had to play both ways you're only allowed to substitute two people or three people in a quarter there was there was a lot of great changes that happened between the time he played and the time that i played for the dolphins now you look at that next 50 years from that time from 72 till the current and look at how the rules have changed to answer your question yes many things have changed on the field in order to keep it competitive and at center of attention, I think things have to change to maintain our attention. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I'm with you. I like to look at the old throwback. I like to compare the game to when I played it. But it's a changing uh, entity that has changed to meet the times and so far has been successful by staying competitive and staying thrilling for the fans. When you watch the game today, uh, Larry, uh, what is the biggest difference? For, like Outside, obviously, they pass way more. But just in the overall game, you know, you look at systems and stuff. Uh, what do you like about today's game that wasn't there when you played? <laughs> well, the very thing that we capitalized on was the, uh, I shouldn't say the monotony, but the <laughs> the ability to control the football. Okay. To be able to punch it out and go down and just uh, reduce the amount of time that the other team gets to handle the ball. The other teams, uh, the other uh team's offense gets to have their hands on the ball. We ran the clock down. We went undefeated. We controlled the football. We would take it sometimes for most of the quarter was not an unusual thing to happen. If we got it down on our, say, our 10-yard or 20-yard line, we would grind it out down one one or two plays, you know, uh, the average uh, distance on a play would perhaps be three or four yards that we would be consistently, we would burn up the clock and that would not afford the other team the opportunity to get their hands on the ball and do much with it. So that's uh, that style of football has changed greatly. The rules have caused that to change. They've enhanced the passing game to where now it's a flash, wham, bam, bam. You know, it's they score in a matter of minutes, and then it's in the other team's hands, and it's it's kept the game more exciting. You know, keeps you on the edge of your seat more. I suppose you could say it's more competitive today because you can't monopolize if you have a strong running game and just capitalize on uh, using up the clock. I want to get your thoughts on Don Shula, Larry. Um, what made him such a great coach? Intensity, attention to detail, uh, dedication. You know, the worst thing you could do as a player for Don Shula that would get you literally get his foot up your butt and your your fanny out the door was go through the motions, what he called going through the motions. If you thought, if you weren't 
in the in every moment of the practice had your 100% attention and he thought you were going through the motions of just uh, not paying attention and not really being attentive to the fact that uh, this was valuable time on the practice field he you would be in his office once or twice and then you would be on the trading block you would be traded to somewhere else he wanted that intensity when you came to practice he wanted same similar intensity on the practice field that you had on the playing field. Now, when I say that, if you, most, most everyone at one time or another has been in competitive sports and you know how important it is to prepare yourself for what's going to happen on the field. And he was a big believer in that. And I think that's the thing that he capitalized on. That's the single fact that made him different was that he was, he did not see practice as being boring or monotonous. He made it, uh, short, sweet to the point, but you, and then he would test you on it to make sure that you understood how important it was. I think that was his glowing feature. That's the reason that we completed the undefeated season. Larry Zonka, our guest, of course, uh, uh, he's in the, uh, football hall of fame. Uh, he's an author. You can, uh, you can check out his book if you haven't already. It's uh, head on, uh, a memoir. You know, it also talks about uh, your early life, Larry, because I kind of want to get into that. Um, at what point, like, you know, you growing up uh, when you did, uh, you know, and then get, you know, in the 50s and 60s, and then, you, you know, you get to pro football. Like, how was how was Pop Warner for you back then? And when did you start playing football? And at what at what age did you think, hey, you know, I like this might be something I can do as a professional? Well, Pop Warner wasn't around when I was. <laughs> it hadn't started that yet. Uh, at least it hadn't gotten to uh, to Stowe, Ohio, where I grew up. I was out in the country and very removed from it. Okay. I was working on a potato farm in junior high school, and the fellow that took over the uh, junior high team that year had heard that I that I wanted to go out and that I was kind of a big farm kid and and wanted to run the ball and wanted to play. And he was looking for me, and I wasn't there because I didn't even know what when practice started in junior high school. So he sent some of my uh, would-be teammates out to find me, round me up, and bring start letting me know that's how far out in the country I was. And uh, that's when it started, about seventh grade. To answer your question, I was mesmerized by professional football. Uh, you know, I watched the Browns play. I grew up just south of Cleveland in a little farming community and got to see in black and white TV, watch them play. And I was very much a Browns fan and, uh, you know, got involved in football in junior high school, liked it because we, I was afforded uh, the great opportunity to play for coaches that were really not just high school teachers, but were really dedicated coaches that taught you the game. And I owe a great deal to those. I mentioned those fellas in the book, Sloop and Fortner, Saldus, different people that were in my life in junior high school that influenced me to turn my attentions. They recognized that I had a um, ability, if you will, or was blessed with having something that that might be carried over to success on a football field. They brought that to my attention, pushed me that direction. I owe those gentlemen a great deal. So grade seven, it starts, Larry. Uh, then you get to high school, and back then everybody played both ways. So uh, you know, were you did you were you always a running back? Did that evolve? Uh, where did you start as a young player? I started at center, 
on offense and okay. defensive tackle on defense. Wow. And much like Bronco Nagurski, who, uh, you know, I like to compare myself to him because he was a farm kid from Canada and he kind of, <laughs> he, he had no problem with playing on the defensive line or a yeah. linebacker, you know, or being a running back. He just the kind of guy that uh, he liked the game as, as a whole. And I read his book and wrote several book reports upon it and kind of used it as my uh, Bible, if you will, on how to, approach the game. And so I was happy to be on the defensive line. I was happy to be the center on offense. But when I, when I started to uh, get into high school, I picked up a little added quickness. Uh, we started to run track a little bit and some people that were there that were the football people, as well as the track people, coaches noticed that I could, uh, I could turn a pretty good time in a 40 yard dash. You know, I started clocking in about four, six, and I was starting to push uh, 180 to 200 pounds. Okay. So in high school back then in the 50s, in the late 50s, early 60s, that was a big load. It was moving pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. We can put the ball in his hand. If he can hang on to the ball, we might have something here. You know, we still wanted to fire the cannon, so to speak. And, uh, you know, the days of Bronco Nagurski had carried over into high school ball. Certainly it was there. And, uh, you know, third and one was a whole nother ball game than what it is today. And, uh You know, that situation occurred and I started playing to answer your question in junior high and grade school and junior high. And slowly the coaches noticed that I picked up that quickness, you know, as you mature, probably around the age of 14, you know, when your voice changes, you you, uh, go from the soprano section to the alto section, things start to happen and you start to move and, and coordination and things start to pick up. When that occurred around that junior high mark is when I started to get interested in perhaps carrying the ball. And growing up and going to the Browns game and watching Jimmy Brown run the football was a great motivating force as well. Oh, he was a hell of a running back, Larry, as were you uh, in your career. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. For anybody out there, I highly recommend getting Larry's book. You can go to Larry Zonka. That's a C-S-O-N-K-A.com. Larry Zonka.com. The book is head on. You can get it there. You can get it anywhere online. It's a fantastic read about his life growing up in Ohio. And then, of course, to the uh, Dolphins, the perfect season, uh, you know, hanging out with Elvis Presley and uh, Lee Majors and, and many other people and uh you know what uh, it was an easy uh, early celebration this year larry for the dolphins as uh, no one's really close to an undefeated season so uh, uh tip your hat to that another year that uh, no one's matched you guys and i don't know if it'll ever happen the, the patriots came close but uh it's it's very Ooh, difficult <laughs> very difficult to do and uh, larry it's been my thrill to have you on the show i really appreciate it continued success thank you jason anytime i like the show awesome that is uh larry zonka and he was a heck of a player what an interview, man. Are you kidding me? I love it. So we go from Larry Zonka, who's a Hall of Famer, right, who just kind of worked his way up, to now a young player that many people are excited about on what his potential could be for the Edmonton Orders. Raphael Lavoie will join us next on the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 and live on Orders Nation YouTube. We continue on Tuesday afternoon. What a great first hour. We had the Hall of Famer Larry Zonka on. And, of course, now we get a, a young player that uh, many Order fans are hoping they get to see very soon as we get to the Oil Report, brought to you by Volvo Cars Edmonton. Stop in right now at Volvo, and you can get $5,000 off any 2023 model. You want the XC60, the XC90, maybe the S60, or oh, get the V, man. Get the wagon. It is unbelievable. Check it out at Volvo Cars Edmonton. 
Com. As uh, we go to uh, Bakersfield, where we are joined by uh, Raphael Lavoie, who's off to a pretty good start with uh, seven points in his first five games. Uh, also had uh, two goals and assist and a really spirited tilt in his uh, last match. Uh, Raphael, welcome back to the show. How you doing? I'm good. How about you? Hey, I'm excellent. Uh, now, Raph, I remember watching you a lot uh, in, in your in junior, and you know what? Uh, you were kind of bully, and I mean that in, in a good way on the ice. Um, I, I didn't see you throw the mitts a whole bunch, but man, that was not only was it a spirited scrap; it went on for quite a while. Uh, what what got you so fired up? Uh, I don't know, honestly. I didn't. I was. I didn't really want to fight. You know, I had uh, had two goals. I was trying to get a hat trick, but uh, <laughs> things just got heated after. Uh, after the whistle and kind of threw his gloves at me and started punching me. So I was like, all right, well, let's go. <laughs> well, uh, you did pretty well and, and wisely with guys in their helmets on. You're throwing the uppercut so much uh, less chance of, uh, of hurting your hands, which have, uh, have been pretty soft early on, Raphael. Uh, you, have, you have picked up at the start of this season how you finished off last year uh, in the American League. The last 40 games, uh, your GM... Keith Gretzky said you were by far their best player. And uh, so far through five games, you've continued that. Uh, how have you been able to, and what did you learn maybe last year as far as consistency at the American League level? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, you know, you, you just have to be consistent. It's an everyday thing. It's like this is, this is your job. Like you're a pro hockey player, you got to find a way to – doesn't matter how you feel, how the travel's going, how your body's feeling. You got you got to find a way to perform, and I feel like that's a, a process that takes a while to uh, to understand and uh, be able to apply on a regular basis. But I think I'm I'm starting to get it. So uh, yeah, I'm trying to be uh, trying to be a factor for the team every uh, every game or every time I'm on the ice. Can you describe? Now that you've had a few years of pro hockey, just kind of how difficult it is to find consistency. Right, because obviously every player would like to have it, but it's not easy. What you know, what was what was the hardest part for you about finding that consistency at the pro level? Um, being being able to be effective without without scoring every game. You know, the, the big thing when you play junior is that you don't necessarily have to play the game the right way to be successful. You know, if you're 
you have a good shot if you're faster than guys. If you're smarter, you can you, you produce a lot, and you don't necessarily have to uh, play the way that you have to play at the pro level. But when when you get pro, you have to uh, you know there's very few guys that are able to be on the score sheet or have can score goals every night. So you have to find a way to still help your team and not just be uh, visible out there. Raphael Lavoie joins us. So for you, who you know, because you know, scoring goals—that's kind of what you've done your whole career. How have you found? Like, what was the best way for you to contribute if it wasn't goals and assists? Uh, you know, being physical. If you got pucks on the forecheck, you know, pucks going deep. You, you're going against the top demon on the other side. Well, you gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta try to hurt him a little. You know, just stop him from him going in the rush on the other side if they break it out. You know, just just little things that you know doesn't appear on the score sheet but if the whole game you play 15 16 minutes and every time you hit that guy well you know he's, he's probably not having the best time out there so it's it's he's not he's not uh scoring or moving as freely as he'd like to Raphael for you how how important is patience for you this year, like obviously, you know what you've been at the American League. You you played very well in the second half of last season. Once you kind of got a hundred percent healthy after your injury, and you know you came to camp, you wanted to make the team, and you know, unfortunately that didn't pan out. How patient or how much how important is patience for you this year? Are you not even worrying about the NHL? You just think about the HL. How do how do you balance that? Uh, you know, it's a uh, it's, it's it's a long process, right? Like uh, it's like I was like. You know, there's very few guys that get to, to do the jump from junior AHL right to pro. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a process. The goal is to get better, where, uh, whether I'm in the NHL or the AHL. You know, every time you go to the rink, you're, you're trying to improve stuff on your game. So uh, I just view it that way. And, you know, when, when it's going to be time, it's going to be time to uh, hopefully go in the NHL. And hopefully the longer I hear, I'm here, the more ready I'll be once, once I get there, hopefully. Are you on the penalty kill right now? Trying. I am sometimes towards uh, towards uh, the end of it. You know, I get a get a few shifts here and there. Um, I feel like we're we're you know everybody's trying to get on the special teams, so it's uh, it's tough sometimes to have uh, consistently a lot of penalty kill. Is that something when you talk to uh, to Coach Chalk about? You say, hey, you know what? Um, that's something that I want in my game. I want the opportunity to be a penalty killer because then when you come up to the NHL, if you're not on the power play, if you're on penalty kill, at least you're going to get some ice time outside of five on five. And you know what? Uh, that's pretty much a, a must for guys. Uh, can you have a conversation like that? You go into his room and politely say, hey, I need to be on the penalty kill. Yeah, well, I've, I've asked, you know, and because uh, exactly like you're saying, if, if you're not on the power play, in the in the big club, well, you need you need to find a way to be effective, and whether that be playing on the PK or having more defensive role, um, you know, you want to be able to do that. So it definitely starts here. I'm uh, I've had a I've had a talk or two with Chalker about uh, being on the PK, and it's something we're exploring. And uh, yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll definitely try to bring that into my game. Raphael Lavoie joins us, uh, leading the Bakersfield Condors. He's got four goals, seven points, 17 penalty minutes. Although Hoffenmeyer, I guess, has you slightly ahead there. He's got 23. But uh, personally, it's been a very good start uh, for you, Raphael. And then kind of give me your thoughts overall on, on how the team has played through five games. We've played good. You know, I feel uh, we got a, we got a lot of uh, veteran presence. You know, we have a few guys that are injured. I feel like we're going to be really... Uh, 
really good once everybody's back and uh, everybody's healthy and ready to go. We uh, we, we definitely have a good group of guys out here right now. Yeah, well, you're four and one, and uh, most, mostly, maybe most impressively, you've only allowed eight goals in the five games. Um, the system's being very good, but uh, I know Calvin Pickard in a few games has, has really played well for you, and, and any successful team's going to have good goaltending. So you look at kind of the balanced scoring, the tight defense, and then the goaltending. Uh, you mentioned the injuries for your team, like Lane Peterson is out, to Foley's out. Like, yeah, I've had quite a few guys hurt, actually. Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, we we are missing a few bodies uh, on the team, but yeah, you know, guys are picking up. Guys are picking up some ice time. They're doing well, like you said. The defense is good, and uh, picks and that is just unbelievable. Also, Rodriguez has been has been really good too. So you know, everybody, we're we're playing really good as a group right now when it's, it's showing on the ice. Raphael Lavoie joins us. Um, you, your schedule really, like you got one game this weekend and you know you, you kind of don't get into the thick of it for another few weeks. Are, are you wishing you guys were playing more games right now? To be honest, it, it, it's kind of nice right now. You know, we, we have uh, we have some days off. You know, our schedule isn't too bad. We get to uh, we get to practice a lot, work on our, work on, our, work on systems and things, but uh, we know that down the road our schedule is going to be uh, – Gonna be it's gonna be pretty hard because teams are playing a lot more games than us right now. So we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to make up for it. So it's gonna be a lot harder later on. But it is it is it is a little bit fun right now to have some time to relax. Rafael, do you feel have you become a leader on that team? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 I say that in like how do you, like in what way do you feel like you wanted to become more of a leader, and how did you go about it? Well, you know, try to. Try to lead by example, you know, like a, you know, play a game physical, play a, you know, uh, mean game, sort of say, like he, you know, like take pucks to net. I don't necessarily uh, play a, an easy game, so you know, I'm definitely trying to compete, trying to do the, the 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 hard things out there, and you know, just try to show the example for the for the other guys that like if you know if I do it, everybody should do it, right? Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. What did you learn in the preseason this year in the NHL? Was there anything afterwards you said, okay, you know, I played the preseason games and I was like, okay, this is what I want to work on when I go down to Bakersfield. Was there anything from those preseason games that you left saying, this is what I want to work on my game when I'm down in Bakersfield? Um, you know, just the, the, the pace plays faster, you know, making, making your decisions. Um, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing. Like everything happens faster. You know, the guys, the guys. Some guys are like I want to say the average skating is faster, but mostly it's every play happens quicker. You know, like pucks on your stick, pucks got to get off, and you you got to find people on the ice. You got you got to know what you're doing just quicker. That's that's the biggest thing. Like being ahead of the play sort of stuff. Okay, so how can you work on that at the American League level? Does it come in practice? How do you get better at that? Um, good question. You know, just same thing. I'm trying to, you know, just keep your head up and try to try to know what's going to happen on the ice. And then you can, you can play with that. And then, you know, you create more scoring chances if you, if you're aware of what people are doing on the ice. And I think that's the biggest thing is being aware of not what you want to do, but what other guys are doing. So then you can play with that and then you can, you know, find find open areas, not where you want to go, but where where you can go, and what what your what your teammates are doing, where are they going? You know, where 
where can you find open space to produce some scoring chances and everything? And Raphael, this kind of might be a personal question, but I feel like I have to ask it anyway. Um, so you're a young guy. and We've seen what you've done. You're right on the cusp of being recalled to the orders. I, I think anybody who's watching realizes that it's something that's probably going to happen. Um, when you look at it and you say, okay, you know what, Sam Gagne's coming up, Ernie's going down, and you know it's, it's just for a fourth-line role. As a young player, do you understand that and say, as much as I want to be in the NHL, that it might be better for my development being play, playing huge minutes in the American League than playing seven minutes a night as a fourth-line guy? Or, or you're like, no, 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 I just want to get to the NHL. How do you balance that, and how do you look at it? I mean, it's tough to balance. You know, there's, there's both sides of it where – like I said, it's a long process that, like, you know, the goal the goal is not to get in the NHL as quick as possible. It's to stay there as long as possible, right? Yeah. So, um, but on the other, on the flip side, you're like, you know, like, you're, you remember when you're a little kid and you just started playing hockey, the only thing you want to do is play in the NHL. Like, I'd love to go sit on the bench and just play seven minutes a night, but I'd still be in Edmonton Orleans, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, definitely for development, being being down here just – might might be better, but I'd still love to be uh, be in Edmonton. Uh, no, that's a really good answer, and I think that's totally valid. I love that. It's, uh, the goal isn't to get to the NHL as quick as possible. It's to stay in the NHL as long as possible. And, and it is hard to, to be patient, I think, for any of us, and probably for uh, for high-level athletes, maybe even more difficult, because as you mentioned, man, I just want to get there and, and hope I can stay there. Uh, in the meantime, you keep working on your game, your physical, your scoring. Uh, your confidence has to be at an all-time high right now. Like you must, You must be very much looking forward to getting on the ice every day. Yeah, you know, there's a fine line between too much confidence and arrogance, but uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, confidence is uh, is at a good place right now. So I'm, uh, I'm gonna do everything I can to keep it there. And some players say that you know what, a little bit of arrogance isn't a bad thing when you're on the ice. No, for sure, for sure. You know, it's, it's you need you need some some swagger to your game, but uh, yeah, you, you don't want too much of it, right? You, you still have to respect everybody and. Your opponents and but yeah, confidence is a good thing. It helps you. It helps. Oh, for sure. And lastly, you mentioned you have some extra days off. So, what do you do on your days off in Baco? Uh, play golf. You know, we had some uh, Chargers game down in LA. Okay. You know, we're traveling a little bit. Everybody's uh, we're doing team events. You know, we're going to we're going for team lunches and stuff like that and whatnot. We had a Halloween party yesterday. Um, so yeah, you know, just team bonding. Who had the best Halloween costume? Um, I want to say uh, Pedersen. He came in as a as a Costco hot dog, and he has he had his fiance at the. I think she was. I don't know how to say it in English. She she was. Uh, there was a girl working the stand, and he was the hot dog. Oh yeah, yeah. She was the vendor. Yeah, yeah. She was a hot dog vendor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> she was a hot dog vendor. She had a little box and everything, and she had the whole outfit with her Costco name on herself. And um, uh, he came in as a big hot dog, all uh, all uh, garnished. So, oh, uh, oh. yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Oh, no. what did you go as? I went as uh, I was a uh, I was some milk. I was a cardboard. I was a. Awesome milk, yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, Raphael, continued success for both you and the team. Four and one start for the Condors. Uh, four goals, seven points in five games. So a great start individually. Great start for the team. Continued success. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Raphael Laval. I love that answer. The goal isn't to get the NHL as quick as possible. It is to stay in the NHL 
as long as possible. It's very true, man. That is very true. And and then it, what he said, he goes, but then there's the other side where, of course, I'd like to be on the bench for seven minutes and, and be in Edmonton. So it's you got to balance it. So I really like that. You know what? The, Raphael Lavoie is going to get his time in Edmonton. I don't know when, but I think he'll get a, he'll get a look at some point uh, this season for the Edmonton Orders. And I think it's probably when they're going to be an injury in their top nine. That's when I think you're going to see uh, Raphael Lavoie get a shot. Unless uh, their, their third line guys uh, continue to struggle for another two or three weeks, you know what? Then you might see a change. I think it's better for Lavoie, me personally, for him to be playing huge minutes in the American League dominating. I love what he said. Their confidence got a little swagger, got some arrogance playing as, as a bully. It's great. And so then when he comes up here, going to get top nine minutes, at least five on five. Anyway, that'll help him. Now you get in the game a little bit more. He's a big body. Six foot four is two foot. That guy plays a little bit mean. Are you kidding me? There's lots of value there. Lots of value. Let's get to the uh, con man and a sports 1440 update brought to you by BIE engineering, specializing in all your, residential and commercial engineering. Check it out. B-I-E-E-N-G.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new custom spray five in one gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.